Culture Map presents What's Eric Eating? From the Gal Media Studios in Houston, Texas, here's Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Marcus Davis from The Breakfast Club and Culture coming up in just a little bit. But first, I am joined by my frequent co-host and good friend, Mary Clarkson, the owner of La Olivier Restaurant in Montrose. Mary, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great, Eric. I'm happy to be here with you. Thanks for being here. We have much to discuss, so let us dive right in to the news of the week. Uh, Starting with uh, a, a sad news, you know, schadenfreude, always a very important emotion when determining what people will and won't read on culture map uh the news that tony valone has now closed two restaurants uh in the last two weeks the first was valone's his steakhouse in the gateway memorial city development and then just last week he announced that Chobello, his sort of casual italian restaurant had also served its last meal i've gotten a lot of sort of questions privately about what happened uh, obviously neither, neither Mr. Valone nor his business partner, Scott Soma are saying a lot about the reasons for the closure. Uh, typically when restaurants close, I just sort of assume that they just weren't making enough money or that they were, uh, Valone's was coming up on its five year anniversary. Chabella was inching towards its 10 year anniversary. Those are typically times when leases need to be renewed. And my suspicion just based on the way these things usually go in the restaurant business, not based on any specific information is that they weren't making enough money to justify renewing the lease at whatever the new rate was. Obviously you have uh, a somewhat unusual relationship with Tony and that uh, your business partner and chef Olivier used to work as the executive chef at Tony's. But what do you think it says about kind of the state of, Restaurants that a, a legitimate restaurant titan like Tony Valone is just closed to restaurants. Listen, I think the marketplace is as competitive as it's ever been. And if these restaurants were making money, I, I'm sure that he would still have them open. I just think it's a competitive landscape out there. And maybe this isn't what people want right now. Uh, and maybe they want to focus their energy on his namesake restaurant. And this is reflective of Mastro's right now and steak 48 and the competition in the Galleria and maybe not Greenway Plaza, but uh, Memorial it's, it's pretty stiff. So I right. think it's I mean, tough going out there. Right. I think if you think about Chow Bello doing Italian food at San Felipe and Sage, competing directly with North Italia at San Felipe and Post Oak. And, and I know that that restaurant is the busiest North in the entire company that, that people have just glommed onto that place, you know, and you look at kind of the menus and there's some similarities. I mean, Chabello maybe a little bit, a little bit more refined, but. You have to constantly reinvent yourself in this business. And I've definitely learned that lesson in the last six years of owning and operating L'Olivier and I don't think that Chow Bello and Valones were keeping up with the times, so to speak. You've got to take a moment back and constantly reinvent yourself. I actually um, 
will admit this. I was at lunch at Tony's last week. I have not been to Tony's since Olivier departed almost a decade ago. And it was really like stepping into a time capsule. I felt like it was 2006 or 2007. And the menu, nothing I wanted. I wanted it so badly to excite me. Nothing on the menu excited me. And the food wasn't would I remember it or would want it to be? And I think other people probably feel the same way about some of his other concepts. Well, and I think they recognize that about Tony's, that is to say Tony and Scott do, and they do have some plans in the works. They're not quite ready to go totally public with them, but I, I had, I also had lunch at Tony's in the last two weeks. (laughs) Uh, I had lunch with, with Tony and Scott. Um, And they do have, they're, they're aware that, uh, certainly the decor has gotten a little dated and they have some ideas about some things they want to do to maybe change that. And they're very excited about Austin Waiter, this uh, young chef de cuisine who took over uh, a little over a year ago. And he is doing some cool dishes. I mean, there's a hamachi dish with caviar on it that I got to try that was really good. There's a dry-aged duck for two. Um, but I recognize that Financially, like that's a pretty big commitment. I think that dish is like a hundred dollar dish. I'm uh, sure Austin's fantastic, and I've heard nothing but amazing things about him. But Tony has to give the chef the freedom to run with it, and I think Tony's is named after Tony, and I think that's going to be a hard thing for him to do. Right. I mean, you know, what makes in in a competitive, even in a fine dining landscape, right, where it's not just Steak 48 and Mastro's are places where people go when they feel like spending a lot of money on food. But State of Grace and BCN and Latab and still DeMarco even. I know that's a, a favorite of yours. Absolutely. And Uchi and Cata Robata. And there's just a lot more choices now. It, it can be tough to continue to stay relevant. And that's certainly going to be a challenge for Tony's going forward. Is how do, But they... But again... They know that, and they're working on a plan, and you know, I hope to be able to talk about those plans soon. Listen, Austin, I was at T-Rex last night, or Theodore Rex, and Kate McLean, who I'm very good friends with, was there, and she was with Austin, and so you're seeing these chefs at restaurants, hopefully getting inspiration um, that they'll harness and, and put into their own concepts, so hope springs eternal. <laughs> All right, let us move on. Uh, in slightly more upbeat news, uh, we're going to have to come up with a new worst-kept secret in Houston food because <laughs> it had been that Snooze was going to open a location where Arcadora used to be near the Galleria, but then they have finally confirmed that they are opening <laughs> where the where Arcadora used to be near the Galleria. Uh, that restaurant is going to open in the spring of 2018. I, I have liked Snooze. I I don't I don't quite understand why it's so popular like why there are lines out the door even even during the week like if you try to go to the Montrose location and and i've never tried to go to the town of country location or the katie outpost like (laughs) on a tuesday so i don't know what that's like but but i know that every time i drive past it the parking lot is full and there seems to be it seems to be on a wait uh mary i know you've been to snooze because i ate there with you yes we did what do you what do you think of snooze I like snooze. I don't like lines, um, so I'm not going to be waiting in, in line very often to go to them. But 
they're really popular. It's undeniable. They've figured out a formula that works. Their staff, I would say, is some of the happiest, energetic, enthusiastic staff I've ever seen, especially for a place that is open for breakfast. Staff has got to be there really early. Um, the food's great. The concept, they, they have ironed out everything that makes makes it work. So kudos to them. Yeah, I mean, it's it's got that kind of retro vibe. I mean, the menu is kind of classic diner, but improved. You know, those pineapple upside down pancakes are, are really tasty. They have all the different Benedicts. They do just enough healthy stuff that it feels contemporary. And of course, they have cocktails, which, you know, again, like during the week, maybe they don't sell as many of those, but on the weekends is really nice. And, you know, that location... You got Grand Lux right there. You got Moxie's right there. You've got that Morton's right there. You know, it's a good shopping center. It's a busy area. I I mean, nothing but good things for uh, the next snooze. Absolutely. That's a great location for them. And then my third item that I want to hit is that there seems to be some drama with Cherry Pie Hospitality. (laughs) No joke. (laughs) Uh, This is a restaurant group where Lee Ellis has left. The company, uh, Anthony Callio obviously left the company. He's working on a new project. He was on the show a couple weeks ago talking about that. Uh, And then last week, uh, both Starfish and Pie Pizza had lockout notices posted on their doors. Now, usually that is a permanent state of affairs when a landlord uh, locks out the tenants. But in this case, it only lasted a day. They paid the rent. The restaurants have reopened. Um, Mary, you're both... uh, a real estate attorney and a, and a restaurant owner. So let me just ask you what, what the heck goes on when a restaurant gets locked out for a day? How does that happen? Listen, without knowing the exact details of this, nobody gets locked out because their rents one day late or a couple of days late, especially when these have been from what we know, good tenants and have been there for a while now. Uh, Lockout notices usually occur, it depends on the lease, but five, seven, 10, 14 days after leases due, they can lock you out and you have to come current to what the outstanding rent and penalties might be before um, you can undo that. I have a very hard time believing that this is a banking snafu. Like what part of it is a banking snafu? You forgot to drop off a rent check or you didn't have enough money in your account. Um, this is a terrible position to be in, um, no matter what the circumstances are. But the damage in a lot of ways has been done. And I think a lot of people already don't think of this concept or these several concepts the same without Liella. So I wish them the best of luck. It is hard out there, but this is not a good sign. Yeah. And it's not really clear what's going on with Cherry Pie right now. There's certainly some drama going on behind the scenes. Absolutely. Uh, The CEO, Chris Vestal, who had been based in California, but made frequent trips to Houston, uh, has also left the company. He moved his family back to his hometown of St. Louis. And so it's just, and and it's not even a question of whether or not the food is good or bad. I mean, uh, I have not been to Starfish since Chef Michael Nutt took over the kitchen, but Michael was at Brasserie Max and Julie for a long time. I mean, he's an experienced guy. The pictures on Instagram look good. I've spoken to people who've dined there recently. The feedback has been positive. Um, but it just seems like the restaurants are having some sort of organizational issues that maybe transcend the dining experience. 
which is sad to me because I have enjoyed meals at both Pie Pizza and Starfish, and I would like to see them survive. I'd like to see them survive too, but once there's blood in the water, it's going to be tough going. Uh, I have friends that love starfish, have always loved starfish. I sent your article to them last week, and they were, you know, kind of devastated and but happy to hear that they bounced back. But who knows what the future holds? Lee Ellis was kind of the magic behind these concepts. So without him and without obvious leadership, where did they go from here? Right, I, right, and you know, Lee Ellis also. There was Jim Mills, who was the the partner in the business that was had the head of the culinary side. Uh, from what I understand, Jim is no longer involved in the day to day. He may still have an ownership interest, but you know, it's a, it's a restaurant that's had a lot of changes behind the scenes and it's just not clear kind of where they're going. Yeah. Uh, it's really unfortunate and I hope they survive and stick it out. But I think the diners will want to know that it's going to, that it's they want to be loyal to something that's going to stick around. So if they don't think it's going to stick around, they're probably going to move on to other restaurants. Yeah. Um, that does it for our news of the week. We will be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? So, Mary, for our restaurants of the week, I have two new restaurants for us to talk about. The first is the classic all day. This is... Benji Levitt's new, calling it a diner doesn't feel quite right, but it but an all-day restaurant that serves breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It's the reimagined reconcept for the Benji's location on Washington Avenue. You and I had breakfast there during their kind of friends and family service last week. I'm just going to throw it to you. What did you think of the classic all-day? I'm loving the reinvention of this space. Uh, Benji is a unbelievable operator. A lot of people know him, obviously, from local foods as well as Benji's. The Classic is offering something that I don't think really exists in the market right now uh, on this level. And for that, I'm super excited. So as of this week, they are open starting at breakfast every day at 8 a.m. That goes through 11 a.m. and then lunch and a dinner menu as well. So seven days a week. The breakfast that we had was exciting. It was delicious, a varied menu. There's something for everybody on that menu, whether it's a healthier option or you want to indulge in the pancakes that I did, which were delightful. Um, beautiful space, friendly, friendly staff, um, counter service for breakfast, which I like, so you don't have to do wait on a waiter and then waiter service for lunch and dinner. I think he's going to hit a home run. You know, he he probably wants to he probably wants to hear that, but I actually really really genuinely believe that. It's a it's a gorgeous space. Yeah, I I agree with you. I think the the remodel has been very effective. It does not look anything like Benji's used to. There's that new kind of diner style dining counter that lets people look into the kitchen. There's uh a new bar, all new furnishings, uh you know, paint on the walls, the whole thing. It's it's very modern. It's it's sort of you know mid century modern, very classic looking. In that sense, uh, we did have that Dutch baby pancake that was great. I was really impressed by the kind of reinvented Benedict, uh, you know, with the poached egg over the crispy rice, and then there's that that pork sandwich. That pork sandwich looked incredible. That is, it just sounds like it's like pork and eggs, <laughs> except the eggs are uh, sushi style tamago omelet 
that's stuffed with Gruyere, and then the pork is a pork belly, like ramen tonkatsu style. So it's just this like savory kind of umami bomb that's got the crunchy. Oh, did I mention that the omelet is is panko crusted and fried? Mm -hmm. I don't think I did that. So and it's on an English muffin. So you get this like crunchy, crispy egg with the gooey cheese and the the very unctuous pork. Uh, it's a very, very satisfying bite, and I'm not typically uh, much of an egg eater, but I really enjoyed that. And then there's just, you know, just seems like there's a lot of thoughtful ideas going on there. Um, the lunch and dinner menu has a bunch of shareable starters, you know, kind of medium-sized dishes that could be an entree, depending on your appetite, and then a couple of center plate items that I think are going to be best at dinner. But it's all very affordable. I don't think there's anything over about $25 on the menu. The price points kind of struck me, especially with the wine list. His wine list is, let's say, $40, 40 to $100 a bottle. And with that pricing in place, I think it's, in addition to the food being reasonable, it really is a place that you want to dine often. And I think that's where Houston diners are right now for the most part. They want a more casual but elevated experience. And the interior design of this by Aaron Rambo reflects that. It feels homey and warm and comfortable. And maybe you'll splurge on a second bottle because you feel like you're not overpaying. Yeah, I think I think it functions on that level, right? Go out and have the steak and, and maybe a bottle of wine and a couple of cocktails. I think it's also just it's going to be super easy to just pop in for a burger uh, maybe split a shareable plate, you know, get out for twenty twenty five dollars a person. Sure. Right. So you really, it's 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 very flexible in that sense, and of course it it does have the full bar. So you know, we were talking martini, about. We didn't try that the other day. It was eight in the morning, but that's right. Um, maybe next time. Right, but it does. <laughs> but again, we were talking about snooze and how the cocktails are an important part of the experience of dining there. Uh, the classic will also have that option available for people who want it. Absolutely. I love it. This is probably my favorite, one of my favorite restaurant openings of the year. Yeah, I have that sense, too, that this is going to be a place I'm going to be going back to. I I already have plans to eat there again, and I'm looking forward to that, trying some of the the options on the lunch and dinner menu. and, And it just it does. It feels like a place that I'll be going to pretty regularly. Agreed. Congrats to Benji and his team. Uh, and then our other restaurant of the week is uh, La Via San Tropez. <laughs> I'll let you correct my French. Um, this is the latest French concept to go into the corner of Montrose and Richmond, formerly the home of Brasserie Max and Julie, uh, more recently the home of Cafe Azur. Um, we don't have that many French restaurants with French chefs in this town. Obviously, you own one. Yes. Uh, there's Etoile, there's Artisans, there's a couple others, uh, if I think about it a little longer, but <laughs> relatively few, given the size of the city. Um, I feel like we had kind of an up and down meal at Via San Tropez. You know, I, I thought the design was fine, but the lighting was weird. It was blue, which makes... Food photos look weird and just creates like kind of an odd, like kind of nightclub-y bar atmosphere in what should be a restaurant. Uh, but there were some highs and lows. And I don't know. I'm gonna I'm gonna kick it to you. You you judge French restaurants much more harshly than I do. So what did you think? I certainly do. Um 
I think if the the bar anchors the main dining room downstairs, there's no separation between bar and dining room. So I think what normally you could have some funky lighting, you know, they have these very bright colored blue and pink lighting in the bar area, but also in the dining area. It's just not appropriate for a dining room. And I hate to say it, but you feel like you're in a Miami nightclub while you're trying to have an upscale French meal. It's not appropriate. It's not what people want. It looks ridiculous. And I'm just going to be tough about it. Sorry. Um, If they just fixed the lighting and it was warm, like BCN's dining room or bar, um, it would be much more inviting. If people want a nightclub, these owners own a nightclub, go to the nightclub, Victor. Uh, The food, I'll let you speak a little bit to the food. Um, The frites were the highlight of our meal. So that's, I'll start with that. Your yeah, <laughs> I, right. I mean, the, the French fries were absolutely excellent. Uh, crispy on the outside, soft in the middle, thick enough that you got a little chew. Uh, they were definitely a highlight. And, you know, the idea of like going back there and having a glass of wine and splitting over French fries, like, you know, that's been a that's been a staple of uh, that's been a staple of a boozy's menu is, is those great duck fat fries. And so I, you know. Restaurant empires have been built on less than than fries that were as good as the ones at at Saint Tropez. Um, we had three other dishes: uh, an octopus salad, a terrine, and a duck breast. Of the three of them, I would say the duck breast was the most successful. I thought it was nicely cooked. I thought the sauce, you know, a, a very classic, uh, like a cherry sauce that I thought worked pretty well with it. Uh, the meat was cooked well. The fat was well rendered. Uh, I legitimately enjoyed that dish, except for the polenta that came with it that was just this kind of mound and flavorless, and I'm not really sure how they were how they were connected. I'm not I'm not really familiar with the idea of polenta with duck. I'm not sure I'd ever seen that before. Neither is anyone else. It okay. was very disjointed. Uh, I thought the terrine was solid. I thought it was... It was fine. You know, it, it tasted like... It registered as terrine. <laughs> uh, you know, there was a lot of it. To their credit, like there was the portion was enormous. Uh, the only thing that really just didn't come together for me was that octopus salad. It was it was served cold, which is fine, um, but I just thought it was really bland. Like it, was it needed really bland, salt. It needed seasoning. Yeah, it was not inspiring on any level. And I mean, the only problem with and then the other big problem was that the the prices were. A little bit difficult. I mean, all of the cocktails were 15 and over, which is frankly more than I want to pay for a cocktail, especially in this town. Uh, we wound up having beers instead. Um, you know more about wine than I do, so I'll let. So, what was your opinion of the wine list? Because I, I just kind of glanced at it. I mean, the wine markup was high. It's a small, it's a smaller-ish restaurant. I mean, you know, maybe they need a high wine markup to support their margins. Um, the cocktail prices are way too high for what's supposed to be a neighborhood spot. I think they're confused about what they are. So mm-hmm. if the cocktails are that high, that it, it, that's that's what a bar or a club uh, could support. I don't know that a restaurant can support those prices. Right. They also have Bar Victor, which is at the other end of the shopping center. Um, the cocktail prices are basically the same at the two concepts. And, and you know, maybe this is the time to like... I'd much rather have the the ten dollar version of whatever cocktail, even if it means a spirit I don't whose name I'm not as familiar with, than the fifteen or sixteen dollar version of it. 
I'm going to cue to Bobby Hugel on this one, who is the authority on all things cocktail in this town, to charge more than $12 for a cocktail that doesn't have something amazing going on with it, whether it's an ingredient or something else. That's a tough pill to swallow in this town when we have more options than ever before. Yeah, and I think that some of that just comes from maybe, you know, the the people who own here, who own the restaurant, moved here from France. The chef is from France. Uh, they may just not be familiar enough with the market and what people are willing to pay. They need to get familiar really quickly. Um, that's just my honest opinion. The prices are too high for what for the quality of the food and the beverages that they're serving. Right. So we we had we each had a beer. We split the duck. We had the two starters. Uh, we skipped dessert because the service it just it took too long for them to ask us, and we'd kind of we were we'd had enough of the blue lighting. Frankly, we <laughs> we just had enough of that that whole room, uh, and we spent about ninety dollars between the two of us plus tip, which I don't I don't mind spending that kind of money on dinner for two, but I want to feel like I'm getting something a little bit special for it, and I don't know that we really had that at Saint Tropez. I'd rather be at the classic. I mean, I don't know. Sorry. Yeah. No, I think I think that's I think that's fair. And I'd, I'd say that at this point, I feel the same way. All right. That does it for our restaurants of the week. Mary, before you get out of here, what's uh, what's going on at Olivia? So we have some big things coming up here in the fall, even though we don't really have fall seasons, it seems like. Uh, September 12th, we are going to have a movie premiere of Grand Crew. The details of that will be announced on our website, but we're really excited. There will be a, a wine and food tasting component to this as well. Um, so we're excited uh, to do things a little different uh, with the launch of of uh, this this movie. And we're excited to see uh, everyone come out and support us for that. But more details will be available on the website in the in the next week or so. Yeah, and that's LaOlivierHouston.com, and I will link to the Olivier website in the Culture Map article that accompanies this podcast. Thank you so much. Thank you. Um, and I will be right back with Marcus Davis. Stick around. You're listening to What's Eric Eating? Our interview this week is brought to you by Eighth Wonder Brewery. One of my favorite local breweries, conveniently located in East Downtown. It's been really fun to watch Eighth Wonder evolve from its sort of humble beginnings in a little corner of a warehouse to now a gigantic warehouse, the huge backyard that they call Wonder World, where you can go before sports games, especially with uh, soccer season and baseball season heating up. Eighth Wonder's brewery is conveniently located uh, within walking distance. You might see my colleague Fred Fowler walking around there. I know it's a favorite spot of his. And there's always something new to try at 8th Wonder. Like they just released their Procrastinator Session IPA, the official beer of doing nothing. They're going to have their hip-hop series rolling out here in the next little bit. And, you know, you can always count on an 8th Wonder beer to be refreshing, delicious, and fresh because it's made right here locally all the time. So thank you to 8th Wonder. And here's our interview of the week. I am joined this week by Marcus Davis, the owner of The Breakfast Club, Culture, and I believe Reggae Hut. That is correct. Marcus, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. And Excited I'm also, to be here. Thank you. I'm also joined by Chef Don Burrell, who is the executive chef of Culture. Don, welcome to the show. How are you? Oh, thanks for having me. I'm doing well. 
Marcus, I think a lot of people know you from The Breakfast Club. So let me just dive right into let me just dive right into culture. What what inspired you to open a new restaurant downtown and in, in a very prominent location at uh, connected to the convention center? I, I think it's the same thing that that always inspires me as an entrepreneur. I believe entrepreneurship is about filling voids in the marketplace that the marketplace is calling for consciously or subconsciously. And this was an opportunity to, to, to fill a void. Uh, I thought the concept um, was something that literally people were asking for. And how did I get downtown is a funny story because originally this concept was going to be located on the corner of Maine and Alabama, uh, the old Julius Bistro. And when the, when the project got started downtown, they came and asked if we would be interested in bringing the concept down there. And, you know, after a whole lot of thought and consideration, we said, heck yes, we're going to do it. <laughs> so for people who haven't been to Culture yet, yes, how would you describe the concept? Uh, G-R-E-A-T. <laughs> uh. Uh, it is. I, I'll let Chef Don. She has a, a great explanation for it. I, I, it's 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 a twist on what your grandma used to do. It's a Southern flair. Yeah, Don. I I definitely do want to talk about the restaurant, but mm-hmm. but I know you have your own kind of background in the culinary world. How how did you get started cooking professionally? Um, well, I started cooking uh, after I. I finished competing. I, so formerly I was a track and field athlete uh, professionally, and I traveled. And um, I am uh, an Olympian and world, tra- world former world champion in long jump. And, I, w- w- you know, there comes a time when you can't do it anymore, whether it be through injury or otherwise. And I, I came to that point in my career. And so I needed to choose something else that I was truly passionate about. So I searched deeply, and, and I, I landed on the culinary field. You know, because of the opportunity for creativity and, you know, in serving people and kind of pleasing people at the core of what it is that we are, which is people. I mean, we need food, you know, and so I'm going to try to be. So you, so you spent your entire sort of uh, teenage years into your 20s beating people's brains out and then you decided you're going to flip the switch and nurture <laughs> I mean, them. I'm not a boxer. But well, yeah. that's fair. Running <laughs> yeah. people into the ground, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I, and then I, and I kind of uh, flipped it and and got to, to the true core of like, which is nourishing people and being and nourishing to the soul type of thing. Uh, I think when I first encountered you, you were working at Uchi. Yes. Where yes. else have you? Where else have you worked? I worked under uh, Monica, Monica Pope at Sparrow, um, and uh, and I've worked at Uchi. Um, but when I first got my culinary start, um, I was uh, catering and uh, and uh, doing farmers market far- markets as far as uh, like vending and things like that. So how did you two? How did Marcus bring you on board to culture? Marcus, how did you bring me on board? So uh, the short story is I picked up the telephone and I called her and I said, or texted her and I said, hey, you need to be in Houston uh, being executive chef at at Culture. And so Mm -hmm. she packed her bags and came on back home. The long story is that I've been knowing knowing Don for some years now. Um, We, we, I don't know, we met with, 20 years ago. Yeah, no, no, long, fit, longer than yeah, that, yeah, yeah, like yeah. 16 years ago or yeah. something like that. And so um, uh, I think we attended a similar fellowship, same fellowship at, at one point in time. But nonetheless, uh, she was my neighbor. You know, when mm-hmm. she was uh, working with, with, with Monica at Sparrow, I would see her every day. Mm-hmm. 
and um, you know we we chatted. I saw her carting off, you know, every week to uh, to the farmers market, you know, getting her stuff going downtown to 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 the market, and so you know we chatted, we chatted, we chatted, and so after the, after time when I thought about the concept, I you know made a list of people that I thought would be uh, a great fit for culture. And so we talked about it. She came in and uh, she did a, a cooking demo and kicked ass. It was just, it was, <laughs> 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 I mean, it was, it, that, 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 that sealed the deal. All right. So, so Marcus said that you have the, the key to defining the concept of culture. So how do you define culture and, and what was it about that that appealed to you and made it seem like the right next step for you in your career? Okay. I call, um, I consider this uh, concept to be uh, Southern food, the food that your ancestors, my ancestors, your ancestors used to make, reinvented and reimagined. And that just means that I've, um, I have concentrated flavors um, quite a bit, and I've also um, created new ways of, of, of uh, presenting these uh, dishes. Um, and, and, you know, and I'm stretching people not too much to, to the point where they're outside of their comfort zone, but I'm challenging people to kind of see things a little bit differently. Yeah. Right. Cause um, I know, I know when I ate at culture, you know, you had collard greens on the menu, which yes. is what you would expect for a, a Southern restaurant or an African American restaurant. But, you know, they're in these like, like cute little wrappers, right? Like mm-hmm. they're, they're purses. Yes. Purses. Thank you. Yes. yes. They're they're wrapped up like a present instead of, you know, just braised and kind of leaking all over the place. Yeah, yeah, and that was that's a, a very great example um, because I, in menu development, I knew that we wanted to have greens on the menu, right? Um, but I, I just could not fathom like p- just putting them on the plate because they're not really a pretty dish. Like you have to kind of. So my my goal was to create something that was aesthetically pleasing as well as. Um, reminding you of what your grandmother used to make. So. Right. And even with that, that giant uh, pork shank. Yes. Which is, what was it wrapped in? Because it was, there was this like, there was this like kind of fun contrast between the, the crispy exterior and, uh-huh. the, yeah. and the soft interior that was, was really fun. All right. I, I got, yeah, go <laughs> I got to j- jump in on this because, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, we, we, we talked about, you know, putting pork and bees on, on, on the meat, but I, I explained to, Chef Don, what my challenge had been in going to other places and maybe trying pork shank, which was I don't do the, you know, the 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 rubbery stuff on the outside. I'd eat the meat on the inside. But sure. I, and I asked her, what could she do? And she said, I could crisp it up. I was like, can you like crackling? And she was like, yes. And I passed out when she brought it out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's actually I mean, it, it's it's the the contrast is, is is excellent. You got the crackling on the outside. You've got the meat on the inside. And all those juicy beans sitting at the bottom. I'm going to give me some right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and and it's a step up in kind of service style and decor for you too. I mean, right. I, I I don't want to ignore that aspect of it. I mean, oh, yeah. the Breakfast Club is home, pretty rustic, yeah. Yeah. and mm-hmm. and you stand in that line that takes a long time sometimes. I got to clear the, the urban legend that that that's only a weekend phenomenon. It's a weekend and holiday phenomenon. If you show up on a Tuesday at at, at nine o'clock, you can walk right in. Okay, noted. Um, but you know, counter service, right? You know, pretty straightforward. Um, this is a very elegant looking restaurant. It's a very contemporary looking restaurant. Full service, full bar. I mean, what was that like for you to kind of step up in in those various aspects too? So, 
it, you know, similar to how chefs are, you know, as an entrepreneur, as a restaurateur, you know, we want to show that we have, you know, as, a, as an organization, as a company, we want to show we have, um, we have the ability to do multiple things, right? So we don't just do breakfast. We do Caribbean restaurant, uh, Caribbean food. We have a, a bar and then, you know, the full service uh, in culture. Um, and yes, we, we, we did want to step it up a notch. So the same way, you know, a chef wants to prepare different types of food, different, you know, out today, they want to make Caribbean foods tomorrow. They want to make Italian food. And they, so we wanted to be able to, to showcase, you know, what we could do outside. And my, my background in, in food is, is, you know, it varies. I, for, I've worked from fast food to, uh, as a, as a waiter in a full service restaurant, as a manager, as a bartender, all that kind of good stuff. So I've, I've worked, you know. Okay. Yeah, I I have to admit I I don't know that part of your history. <laughs> I think when I when I first encountered you, it was obviously at the Breakfast Club. So, right. so how did you get involved in the restaurant business? Uh, so the the short story or the long story? I mean, we got uh, <laughs> I don't know. Right. My, my, I, Michael, I give you producer a Michael says we got we got we got at least I can have the five minute version. All right, of story. How's that? five minute version. All right. So the 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 my early uh, introduction into the hospitality business. My father, who was a educator by trade. Uh, by profession, but a musician and a cook by passion introduced me into this world, right? And so this, I love you, Don, but my father's, you know, best cook to ever be born, ever in life. <laughs> no, he, 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 he was excellent. And so uh, he his, his side business was the catering business. And so that was my first job as a kid. I, I worked in my dad's uh, part-time catering business. And so from there, I started working in fast food when I was 15. I told my mom, hey, I want to get a job. Of course, the only people that hire 15-year-olds was restaurants. And so I uh, got a job at a fast food restaurant and worked uh, in restaurant from 15 all the way throughout college. Ended up getting a job with a uh, corporate office in food service, uh, doing troubleshooting and uh, grand openings, all that kind of good stuff. Then decided to, you know, we company now we decided that we would part ways and that's code for getting fired and uh <laughs> and uh i moved back to houston and decided i wanted to you know launch a concept that i had been thinking about so that's that's how i got into the food business but like i said along the way i you know i've i've worked in and managed uh and bartended and waited and busboy and bar back and dishwasher which was one of my favorites but mm-hmm. that's good. a very important hey, part the, of the kitchen the for, dishwasher. for people don't very people very don't know the dishwasher is I mean the dishwasher rocks the dish I mean wh- people always say you know uh, where's the, where's the manager where's the chef you know tell the chef this tell the manager that next time you go to the restaurant guys tell the manager tell the dishwasher great job yes <laughs> <laughs> um, Don let me let me swing back to culture mm-hmm. what has the response been like from diners because you guys have been open for what about six months now is that um, we officially open april 4th, april 4th. okay yeah. april 4th so that's um four months right yeah um i don't know my coffee's worn off yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um i think that the the positive responses have been oh you know i i thank you like thank you for doing this i you know this was this uh this is art yeah. Is what is what um, what people you know tables that I visit have been saying to me. Um, they they have a true appreciation for for all of the the ways that I'm kind of um, kind of highlighting or showcasing um, the uh, soul food and or southern food. And um, they also like the little spins on things like the the black eyed pea hummus and the and the with the flatbread. And they're 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 thanking me for being in. in 
inventive and imaginative as far as this cuisine is concerned. Don mentioned something, and you you asked me earlier, and I didn't do it justice about the concept of culture. And culture is, uh, you know, our expression of our ancestors' contributions in a number of ways. Food is a big part of what we do, but culture is about food, music, and art. Yes. So we have a uh, uh, Don is our uh, culinary architect, right? She's responsible for how we present the food. We also have a um, art director who is responsible for bringing in the artwork and the art shows. Yes. We're treating the restaurant as a gallery, so yes. it will have openings. It will have shows where we're highlighting the works of different artists uh, every quarter. Uh, and Robert Hodge, who's a nationally known local artist, is curating that. And then uh, also uh, Chase, Chase Jordan, who's a nationally known jazz artist, but locally based, is uh, curating the music, bringing in some of Houston's and even beyond uh, hottest jazz talent. So I want to make sure that we, we understand this is about food, it's about music, and it's about art. Indeed. Right. And I know, you know, I was there on a Friday night. Oh, yeah. Jazz band going. Yeah. People are having a really good time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, how often do you have the music? Right now, it's every, every Friday and, and every Saturday. Okay. Every Friday, and 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 that's something that people should know is that you know it's not background music. We are deliberate in a show that's going on while you're dining on Friday and Saturday from six p.m. to nine p.m. Yeah, does that does that make it hard to turn tables? Because you're, I mean, that's kind of prime time and a prime night. I mean, I know you want to celebrate these artists and support these musicians, but you also have a business to run, right? right. And that was sort of my thought. That was my thought when I was sitting there was these guys are great, but I also know that these people like showed up at six and maybe they had an appetizer and an entree, but like they would have left by now if not for the band. And, you know, my response to that is I'm just going to tell them, Eric said, hey, it's time for you to go. (laughs) (laughs) I need this table back. We're going to have a sign made said. Eric said it's time to go. Right. There's like a, it's like an egg timer with my face on it. <laughs> and you get an hour and a half. But, but I mean, at some point in time, it probably will. But, they, I mean, there, but there are great concepts out there that, 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 that execute this well. And, um, you know, if and when it becomes an issue, we'll deal with it well, then. It but, you know, sure. we, we, we really want people to come in and, and enjoy the party. I'm one of these people. That, uh, you know, when, when, when people ask me about turnover, about tables being turned, that I'm, I'm not your typical restaurateur that's like, hey, we got it, we got it. I have a great feeling when people, uh, as we call it in the food world, when they squat, right? Because mm-hmm. for me, that means that they, they, there's something you've created they are really enjoying and they're really embracing. So I'm, I'm you know, I don't even, you know, from TVK to the regular head, I, I, I enjoy when people, you know, spend a lot of time in the restaurant. Uh, and then Donna, this is an awkward question for me to ask, but I, I do kind of like, there are very few African-American female chefs in this town. I mean, there's, there's relatively few African-American male chefs in this town. Right. Um, but when people are thanking you for the food you create, are they also kind of thanking you for showing them that this is a possibility for them? Absolutely. Um, that is a common response. I, I, I second that. Yeah. Um, and it, it's actually uh, quite an honor for me to be in this position. I really appreciate the opportunity, number one. And number two, I, 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 I am um, celebrating um, being responsible for this. I call it mini movement. 
Yeah. You know, and you know, and I um I am thankful that um that I get to be a part of it. And yeah. maybe there are more to follow me and I could be that example. And and to add on to that, Eric, yeah. you know, from 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 her standpoint all the way to, you know, an entrepreneurial standpoint. You know, there are people that you, you mentioned the, the location. There are people that are celebrating, you know, where we are and, and, and what we're doing. You know, we're, we're playing. Oh, no, because it means, I mean, no doubt, right? Like, you're right next to a Landry's concept mm-hmm. and a Pappas concept. I mean, who, those who, are big who, restaurant groups. Who's that? Got, who are they? <laughs> Chris, tell me you heard me. Yeah. Yeah. You're not scared. But I mean, but you know, you're a little guy in a in an area with a lot of big fish swimming around. Right. Uh and I think, you know, that says something about the the niche you've carved out for yourself and the acclaim that people kind of hold you in, I think. Yeah, I, I think it says a lot for how the city has supported us and you know, and quite a Honestly, how what a great team I have around me because clearly this is not me. Um, this is a team of folk that 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 are you know from my my director of operations mm-hmm. to my GM, Chef Don, uh, of course my lovely wife. Yeah. Um, yeah so I, I'm 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 excited. And it, as you uh, said, but didn't say, you know, now I'm not I'm not afraid. I'm not scared. Matter of <laughs> fact, matter of fact yeah, this is this is not the end. You know, there's more well, to come. Right. I mean, are you happy with how the restaurant is performing so far? Because I, you, you have not, you know, to your credit, you have let it build very organically. You have not hired a PR firm. I didn't get a blast out press release. You know, right. you've got kind of a, a low key social media presence, you know, but, but I will say when I visited, the restaurant was full. So clearly people are finding it. Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're finding it. I do like the, 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 the organic feel, um, you know, it gives us time to, you know, uh, cross our eye. Cross our eyes and dot our T's. Yeah, yeah. that's what we're doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but you know, and and we, and, we, and we're growing in stages. We, you know, there 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 are parts of the restaurant that that have yet to come. Uh, we still have uh, um, uh, there's a there's an outdoor patio that will be coming probably in the spring. Uh, there is a brunch that will be coming sometime in 2019. Uh, what is mm-hmm. this? 18? Yeah. 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 So you know, there, there's there's more to come. We we we're just getting started. Well, yeah, no, I I think brunch is going to be really killer. Brock, brunch is going to rock, dude. Yeah. <laughs> you know, well, because it it's such a right, right? Because you're known for morning meals, obviously, right. and I mm-hmm. think with Chef Don's spin on that kind of southern, right, right. you know, your shrimp and grits, your griots, like your mm-hmm. whatever. I feel like that's got a lot of potential to it. Yeah, it's going to be special. I, um, that's in phase two. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Don, are you happy with kind of where you are from a culinary standpoint? Is is it is it consistent? Is it well executed? Do you feel good about the response you're getting? Um, yeah, I feel I feel that with any opportunity, there's room for growth, of course, and, and improvement. But overall, I feel like um, we we've been growing well as a team, and we've been we've been ex- executing well as a team, and um, and my team is growing, which is the most important aspect of this. Um, um, uh, staffing. So, um, with with my with an increase in my my um, my labor, um, uh, my employees, uh, we'll, we'll we'll be able to grow a little bit more. Uh, and I know you've also been involved in some of the "I'll Have What She's Having" events. Oh well, that I just had a meeting about that this morning. Oh um, good. Yeah, and so uh, yeah, the the dinner has been scheduled, and it's a great group of people. Um, I think that it's going to be a great opportunity for us to to be involved in in such a wonderful uh, organization, and um, mo- 
powerful organization. Right. So, know, so. so you feel like you're part of the Houston, the larger Houston kind of culinary community. Um, it's, I'm growing into it. I'm growing into it. It's been a, it's been a, a long and hard road, road for me to kind of get in there, but I think that um, I'm finally um, getting a little bit of notoriety and recognition for some of the things that I've been doing in the city, and I think it, um, it, it it's... I credit that to my opportunity to do this project, and um, and I'm hoping that I can just um, be a great example for people to follow. Right, Marcus. Of course, you're everywhere because, yeah. like when I, like when we started talking about this interview, it was because I was going to tape a radio segment and you were leaving a radio segment. Right. So, I mean, how? Well, how I, really, I was stalking you. I didn't really have any. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that hard to find. Um, but in terms of. Like, why is that so important to you to be so involved in the community? Oh, man. Uh, well, for the, a number of reasons. One, it's because the community is m- who made us what we are, right? I, I, you know, my early mission statement was to be um, a conduit to which, into which people can deposit, uh, you know, whatever, finances, uh, you know, the, the, the spirit, you know, their, their, their energy, their emotions – and to be a conduit through which those things can be funneled back out into into the community, um, not to be cliche, but you know, to whom much is given, much is is required. Uh, I also believe that you know, uh, all all wealth is built by the Commonwealth. I, I I don't believe that's a separation. I just believe that you know, the the early term entrepreneur uh, didn't really have anything to do with business. That you know, you look at the etymology of the word, didn't have anything to do with business. It had to do with someone identifying an issue and decide to undertake that issue. And so, uh, I mean, we, when we hear entrepreneur, we think dollars and cents. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, when you go back to the origin of the word, it's about seeing something and decide to undertake it. And so being involved in communities, undertaking causes uh, that can and need to be uh, addressed. And when you have people who make those financial contributions into one place and you have the wherewithal to go out and redistribute uh, those through your time and through the money to, to bring about uh, ease to those causes. Well, and I, I know you said you're, this is not the end. You're four, you're four months in, <laughs> right? Are you already thinking about another project or? Um, um, <laughs> <laughs> As I said before, this is this is there's a lot there's a lot in store. We've got we've got some stuff that we're working on right now, so uh, you know. I mean, you know, only time will tell. You know, there's a lot there's a lot of snoozes <laughs> opening up around the city. I feel like we could we could support more than one the Breakfast Club. Um, I'll just put the I'll just let me I'll just, just put say it like the this: they're about to get their ass kicked. I don't know how else to say it, but you know. <laughs> I like the sound of that. Um, well, y'all, I got to say that brings me to the end of my questions, unless there is some, but if there's some issue that you wanted to address while you're here, I mean, please feel free. Yeah, I, I want to take a moment and not to, you know, be corny, uh, blow smoke, but I want to thank you for what you do, man. I mean, food is, food is, a, is, is an important part of, of our life, of our livelihood. Mm-hmm. Right. And I, I think you do a very responsible job of, 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 you know, representing an artist and, and, and what they're trying to express to the community uh, and the people who may, you know, have their livelihood based on these things. So I, I really appreciate it. I, I really do. Well, that, that's very kind of you. I, you know, I, I don't take myself very seriously, <laughs> um, but I do try to take the work very seriously. And I do, I've tried, I've always tried to be sensitive to the idea that, you know, we, you know, 
our my primary obligation is is to the readers, right? Like this is this is a place I think you should know about. This is what to eat when you go there, all that kind of stuff. But also to the investments that people make in these businesses and the aspirations right. that they have for them. And so yeah, and yeah. In, in, in a world that's 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 super sensitive, you know, I think that, that that's that's important. Um, so again, thanks, I appreciate it. Well, thank you, I appreciate you saying so. Um, I always like to end these interviews with something I call the lightning round. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Oh boy! So <laughs> she's going first. Or how are we doing this? So I'm I'm going to ask you each the question one okay. at a time. All right. Okay. All right. So, Don Burrell, what's the first restaurant you ever worked at? Um, gosh, that would be um, a restaurant that's no longer open, and I forgot the name of it, but it's in Chicago. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marcus, how about you? First restaurant I worked at was uh, a fast food restaurant. First, Norris Cafe was my first full service professional restaurant, which was located on Kirby and Bracewood. Hats off to Craig Allen, bless his soul, he's deceased, but he really opened my eyes to a lot of things. Um, Marcus, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive thru. My fast food guilty pleasure. Um, I am not, I don't know if it's okay to say this as a Texan, uh, Burger King. <laughs> Ooh. Disrespecting Whataburger. It's a bold, I, it's a yeah, bold I, move. Look, I, I love frank, flame brawl. Uh, you Fair know, I, I like it being over, over the mm. flame. That's, uh, Don, how about you? It has to have a drive-thru. It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Okay. That's, how, that's how I define fast food. All right. Does it, uh, can it be a donut shop? It absolutely can be a donut shop. All right. Uh, Shipley's on uh, Ella. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a that's a good answer. Yeah. Oh, you didn't tell me we can include that. <laughs> uh, Don, what's the first band you ever saw in concert? Oh, um, uh, Jazzy Jeff and the Friends, Fresh Prince in Philadelphia. That's a fantastic yes. answer. Marcus, yes. how about you? Prince and the Revolution. I was in middle school, and my mother swore I wasn't going. I begged, I cried, I pleaded. She said I wasn't going. And uh, at the, she told me that morning, she said, pull out your purple polo. <laughs> I said, I said, I said, why? She said, you're going, and my uncle took me, and it was the best time ever. Had a funny smell in there. Uh, I don't know what that could be. I, you know, it was some smoke that was going in the air. And I, I kept asking my uncle, hey, what, what is what that? I'm sure he didn't know either. <laughs> nah, no clue. <laughs> uh, Marcus, who's your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? My favorite Houston. Oh, man. Uh, that's a tough one. I would have to say the dream. I say it's a tough one because, you know, Earl Campbell was was such, you know, I mean, he just represented grind. And, but Akeem the Dream is my favorite. Man, I I had the privilege, thanks to the local furniture dealer, sending a busload of people up to San Antonio to watch a Rockets and uh, uh, Spurs game. And I was there when Akeem, Akeem the Dream put that whooping on David. Oh Robinson. yeah, when David Robinson got the MVP and the King took it personally. Man, I was there, and it was surreal. It was, I mean, it's a moment I'll never forget in life. It was surreal. He, I mean, David Robinson was just. Oh, he was man. never the same. It, never, ever. He went from being an admiral to a private. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Don, how about you? I'm biased. You know, I'm an. I was a. An athlete here. In Can I city. change my answer? Chef Don Burrell. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's my. Favorite. 
I knew, I knew that. That was in your heart to say. Um, but I'm going to choose like... Um, you better say it right. What? I'm going to choose my brother. Thank you. I'm going to choose right. my brother. Right. He, uh, Leo Burrell, um, two-time world record holder in uh, the 100 meters. Uh, he was a long jumper. He was a part of Santa Monica Track Club. He is an inspiration to me. Oh, yeah. Definitely uh, a Houston sports legend and part of that. Olympian tradition that goes back to Carl Lewis and everything yeah, yeah. else. So, mm. no, that's a great answer. Uh, and then finally, Chef Don Burrell, where's your favorite place in Houston to get a taco? Uh, Laredo, Taqueria. That's a great answer. Yeah. Marcus, how about you? My favorite place to get a taco um, is my neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> it, I mean, it is. A go-go? Uh, tacos a go-go. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. That, I love tacos a go-go. Yeah. Um, Tell us how we can follow you. Give us your social media and the website and all that good stuff. Um, so culture. Um, it's a culture, culture underscore H-O-U for Instagram. And um, for uh, Facebook, it's just culture. Right. Culture restaurant. And then, Don, what about your personal? Um, my personal um, is uh, Chef Don Burrell is my handle for Instagram. And uh, on Facebook, I'm Marcus Davis. On uh, Instagram, I am Marcus Mosiah my alter ego very good well thank you for being here thank you for the thank you for having us and of course you can follow me on twitter at e sandler on instagram at eric sandler keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest houston bar and restaurant news thanks so much for listening i'll be back next week